the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. 20 years of intelligent talk. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Federal appeals court has temporarily halted the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for larger businesses. Washington correspondent Ben Thomas. Safety and Health Administration rule requires workers at businesses with 100 or more employees be vaccinated by January 4th or face mask requirements and weekly tests. The Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has granted an emergency stay of that requirement. Louisiana's Attorney General Jeff Landry, a Republican, says the rule would impose medical procedures on the American people. I'm Ben Thomas. Windy conditions off the coast of Florida, prompting SpaceX to delay the return of four space station astronauts. They were supposed to leave the International Space Station Sunday and come back Monday, but now SpaceX has bumped the departure to Monday. This is SRN News. This week in the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. The voters of Virginia sent a message to America. We're going to embrace our parents, not ignore them. Join us for our program. Sign up for our podcast at townhallreview.com. Every Saturday evening at 7 and Sunday nights at 11. Here on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Your forecast for today, we're looking at mostly cloudy and a high of 68 with a low of 45. For tonight, tomorrow, partly sunny and a high of 58 with a low of 40. Introducing SalemNewsChannel.com. Watch your favorite hosts like Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Sebastian Gorka, and Larry Elder on the channel that believes freedom of speech and religion are fundamental to what we do. We put truth ahead of agenda and won't be bullied by big tech at SalemNewsChannel.com. Now available on Roku and other top streaming platforms or check out the free app. Expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM twelve eight Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with our number two of the broadcast. We like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us along at Facebook, just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page, and give us a like and or a follow if you haven't done so already. And we are live streaming the broadcast. I'm waving to the camera right now. 
So feel free to uh, check out the live stream of today's broadcast and uh, comment in the comment section if you so desire. However you are listening slash viewing the broadcast today, we appreciate the continued support. I want to uh, welcome to the broadcast our first guest. Well, from what I understand, will be our only guest today. Uh, Mark Hemingway reports on the key institutions shaping public life from lobbying groups to federal agencies to elections for Real Clear Investigations. You can check out their work, realclearinvestigations.com. Mark's writings have also appeared in USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, MTV.com, and The Weekly Standard. We're bringing Mark on because he co-authored a book recently with his wife, Molly, a book entitled Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Uh, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you have a lot. You know that there are a lot of callers calling in, uh, talking, uh, still relitigating the 2020 elections, and we want to bring in Mark to talk uh, to kind of separate fact from fiction so with that we welcome to the broadcast the aforementioned mark hemingway uh mark good to have you in the broadcast today sir how are you i'm doing all right i'm glad to be here well i want to talk about uh, your book as i mentioned mark you co-authored uh, with your wife uh, molly hemingway uh, rigged how the media big tech and the democrats seized our elections uh you know mark i alluded to the fact i still have a lot of callers even within the last month or so relitigating a lot of what's gone on in 2020 and you know, I've heard a lot about, you know, Venezuelan voting machines, uh, servers in Europe, suitcases of ballots in Georgia. We hear a lot of the fantastical theories, but what your book did is kind of got in the weeds a little bit, kind of got down in the nitty gritty. So maybe, Mark Hemingway, if you kind of uh, separate a little facts from fiction, um, I guess first off, start in the uh, state of Pennsylvania. That's one state, obviously a swing state that swung late for Biden, late into the evening. A lot of people had questions about that. Uh, maybe kind of uh, give a few anecdotes uh, regarding that particular state and how that uh, eventually swung to Joe Biden, uh, Mark Hemingway. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, the frame here is, is that you've laid out there is exactly why we wrote the book. I mean, if you feel, if you feel very uneasy about a lot of things that happened in the 2020 election, one, you're not alone and you're not wrong to have that, that sense of unease. But at the same time, it is true there was a lot of stuff around there. A lot of stuff out there floating around that uh, um, isn't exactly, you know, reliable in terms of, uh, um, you know, proving massive fraud or anything like that. So in the case of Pennsylvania, for instance, um, what happened after the election, uh, you know, well, well, first of all, there was a lot of stuff that went on there before the election here that that was very sort of pinky. Pennsylvania had very, very cool, clear rules about um, how absentee ballots and other things were to be handled. Um, and then the Pennsylvania Supreme, first the Pennsylvania Supreme Court came in and they overruled the state legislature basically in, in a way that was like deeply questionable, uh, and made it so that they, um, the state would be accepting, um, absentee or mail-in ballots, um, for, um, days after the election. And more than that, they require, they did not require, um, post, uh, they didn't require postmarks on the ballots such that, um, you could prove that the ballots were cast before the election day, right? Okay. So that already set off claxons in terms of you know whether or not there was going to be sort of you know a fair election of what was going on in, in Pennsylvania. It is also true that Pennsylvania, in particular, has sort of an illustrious history of, of voter fraud. In fact, or, um, in the spring of 2020, the Justice Department brought charges against uh, um, an election judge in, in Philadelphia, um, in Philadelphia, who was working with a former Democratic congressman involving specific election fraud that occurred by tampering with voting machines over multiple elections in the city of Philadelphia. So, you know, there are definitely issues with voter fraud in in, in the state. Finally, there was a big issue in the state where what was going on was that um, 
there were localities in the state, like Philadelphia being the number one um, place, where as you might imagine, um, where they were basically disregarding certain election laws about you're not supposed to be looking at ballots before election day or, or you know, counting ballots before election day. And what was happening in a lot of the in Philadelphia and other Democratic jurisdictions is they were like looking at the ballots and they were determining if there was a problem with the ballot and they were sending it back to the voters to see if they could correct their ballot, which is a process known as curing a ballot, which, you know, with all the ballots going back and forth between people, you know, there are obvious you know, concerns about tampering and fraud and other things like that. So as a result, what was happening was you had Republican jurisdictions that were following the election rules, and then you had Democratic jurisdictions that were not following the, the, the law as written and were trying to get people to fix their ballots and things like that. And what happened is, is after the election happened, there was a major lawsuit going down in the state. We describe all this in detail in the book, where um, lawyers in the state who were very familiar with these issues had put together a case over what, what over the legal issue was called disparate impact, which is to say that if one jurisdiction is counting ballots a certain way and following certain rules and another is not, it's diluting the votes of right. the ones that are you know, adhering to the stricter laws. And what happened in that case is, the judges in the state were very amenable to this disparate impact lawsuit. And then what happened is uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, parachuted into the into the state and basically, you know, big footed the case from the local lawyers and tried to make it into this issue of like massive voter fraud that he couldn't prove. And, you know, frankly, blew up what would have been a very effective lawsuit. Um, so, yeah, we're not terribly you know, flattering of, of Rudy Giuliani and, and, um, and on behalf of Trump in, in that particular instance. But yeah, there were a lot of problems in Pennsylvania, you know, but it's, it's like a lot of these, these issues. It's complicated. You need to understand what happened. And, uh, you know, nobody's proving massive fraud here yet. Now, I, I heard you uh, give an interview recently, and I don't know if you've covered this in the book or not, but in uh, along the lines of absentee voting, mail-in ballots, what have you, uh, you made mention that Jimmy Carter himself was kind of part of, I believe it was a bipartisan committee, talking about the perils of strictly mail-in voting, even absentee ballots, uh, making the case that it was rife for fraud. And yeah. from that point to now, Mark, uh, Mark Hemingway, it seems like we've gone in the complete opposite direction, where now I think even the state of California is basically saying everything's going to be strictly done by mail. So uh, not going in the right direction, it would appear. No. Well, you know, it's, what's weird is up until, you know, about a decade, maybe a little less, um, it was widely acknowledged by everyone, you know, liberals, cons- you know, conservatives, you know, Republicans, Democrats, that to the extent that there is electoral fraud in the American system, and let's face it, you know, anytime you have tens of millions of ballots being cast in major elections, you're going to have a little bit of fraud around the margins. Sure. Um, to the extent that there was fraud, far and away, the, thing, the, the ballots that were most susceptible to fraud was mail-in and absentee ballots. And this was just acknowledged as a fact. It's common sense. You know, there is plenty of data showing that that's the case. Um, and so, yeah, I want to say it was like 2005 or 2006, Jimmy Carter chaired a bipartisan commission with, and I forget the Republican was, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on this. There's a lot of details in the book. Sure. We go through this in detail in the book. But Jimmy Carter, you know, chaired this bipartisan commission that, yes, affirmed that mail-in ballots were um, you know, the largest source of fraud in American elections. Similarly, I want to say it was around 2009, there was a joint study done by Caltech and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Caltech and MIT put out a study that um, looked at America's electoral systems and the vulnerabilities that it had and recommended that states either, you know, curtail or completely do away with mail-in ballots 
in favor of expanding in-person early voting because for the same reason they said, you know, it's just far and away. This is this is how people are going to commit fraud. And, you know, and again, this is Caltech and MIT doing a study saying as much. The New York Times wrote a piece about, you know, absentee um, ballot you know, fraud, being a fraud, having issues with fraud. I want to say like 2012. I mean, these were, you know, this was, you know, commonly accepted knowledge. And then all of a sudden, uh, what happened was is Democrats just discovered that, um, well, one, I think Democrats have sort of a natural advantage in this regard in, in elections because of whether it's union employees or an army of young volunteers. Then when it comes to um, the issue of ballot harvesting, which is when you get a person to go around collecting ballots, um, it, you know, Ballot harvesting is a weird thing because it's a varying degrees of legality where you are in, in, in the United States. I and mean, anytime you introduce a third party that runs around collecting ballots, you have a problem. Right. Um, so, but the Democrats started pushing ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots across the board. And then all of a sudden, when Democrats were pushing for more mail-in ballots, then the media got on board and started pretending automatically that it wasn't a problem. And then you come across the pandemic here, right, where people mm-hmm. are naturally sort of limited from leaving their houses. And you end up with a situation where, you know, states like California are mailing out either absentee or mail-in ballot applications to every single, you know, address in the state. Um, um, and, you know, Pew uh, did a study uh, 2012, I believe, where they found that one out of every 12 voter registrations in America is, quote, substantially inaccurate. And so you're sending out, in some cases, the ballots themselves to, like, Every voter roll in a state, uh, every every voter file in a state, that means that there's going to be tens of thousands, you know, it's not hundreds of thousands of ballots that are going to addresses that don't exist or, or no one lives there anymore. And it's just going to become a massive problem. Um, and, you know, to what extent it was a problem, we, we just we, we really don't know. I mean, there, there was one instance uh, in 2020 where there was a Patterson, New Jersey, where there was a um, – uh, the civic election in that in that city was um, they, they determined that uh, in one city council race or something like 20 percent of 24 percent of the mail of the ballots in that race, which is conducted exclusively by mail, were fraudulent. Once again, we are joined by uh, Mark Hemingway. He, the uh, author, co-author of the book, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Again, Mark co-authored this book with his wife, Molly Hemingway. Uh, Mark, we need to take a quick break. Are you able to hold for just one final segment with us? Sure. Okay. Mark Hemingway will be back uh, talking about this uh, book, uh, talking about the 2020 elections. And if you'd like to call, weigh in with a comment or question, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, the Closer, coming back with another segment with our guest, Mark Hemingway. Back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon, we're where you are. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 
70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Got inflation? Not at PJ's Appliance Outlet. Every day your dollar will buy 40 to 70% more at PJ's Appliance. Hi, this is PJ. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores. How? By simply providing over-the-top customer service and great quality products at unbeatable prices. PJ's Appliance Outlet has quickly become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch and dent appliances. You'll save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on brand new name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers and dryers and dishwashers from trusted brands like LG, Electrolux, Whirlpool, Frigidaire and many more. We're also the exclusive dealer for the Ilve handmade Italian stoves that you see on the DIY TV shows. Don't pay inflated prices for name brand appliances. Take the short drive to save big, big dollars at PJ's Appliance Outlet. Visit our easy-to-get-to Plymouth showroom today or find us online at pjsappliantsoutlet.com. That's pjsappliantsoutlet.com, where every deal is a steal. I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. Wake up with the Patriots Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint. Sign up at am1280thepatriot.com by using the keyword subscribe. That's subscribe at am1280thepatriot.com. Hey, welcome back. AM1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson, here to take your call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, that's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Honored to be joined for just one final segment by Mark Hemingway, he the co-author of the book Rigged, how the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our elections. Uh, Mark, again, as I alluded to, we only have just one final segment with you. So I did want to uh, give you the opportunity to kind of develop this. And again, uh, we'll also promote where people can purchase this book if they want to get uh, more details on this. But talk a little bit about the relationship between uh, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Uh, quite an enormous impact they had in this uh uh, 2020 election cycle, uh, Mark Hemingway. Yeah. So, you know, this really kind of starts back in 2016, right, where Trump pulls off this stunning victory. The entire Washington establishment is shocked and upset by this. And so they immediately start casting about for, like, villains to explain why, um, you know, Trump didn't actually win this election somehow. Sure. Um, you know, they arrived on basically two villains. The first was Russia, and we're seeing that explode in your face right now with the yep. indictment that came down last week. Um, and then the second was Facebook. They believe that somehow, because Trump ran a really good digital operation, 
in a campaign where Hillary Clinton outspent him two to one, and he still won, that somehow, like Trump had done something nefarious with Facebook and disinformation and Russians were involved too, and that Facebook was to blame for letting this happen. So what was interesting was Zuckerberg's initial reaction to this was, it's crazy for you to blame Facebook for, you know, for Trump's victory uh, and say that we did something wrong about it. But the reality was there was an internal revolt within his company almost immediately because everyone in Silicon Valley was you know, so liberal and in such anguish about this uh, that you know, Zuckerberg you know, was put on notice. And they did all kinds of things during the, you know, in the, during the Trump administration. One of the big things they did is they started this fact-checking program at Facebook now where if you know, one of their media fact-checking partners says that um, your, uh, your, the link that you posted on Facebook or whatever is, is false then, or disinformation, then, it, it, then that the Facebook's own literature says that they cut off 80% of the global Internet traffic to that story. So consequently, you see, saw some dramatic consequences for that. So like during the all of last year, when the election was happening, the lab leak, you couldn't post anything about the, the leaking from a lab in Wuhan being the, the, the likely source of COVID because Facebook's fact checkers had determined that that was disinformation, never mind that actually that the real reason why the media were against that wasn't that the preponderance of evidence didn't point toward a lab leak, but because um, that you know, fueled Trump's anti-China narrative. Um, and, of course, Facebook had to reverse that position. So Facebook started by controlling the flow of information, basically, in the election. But the, then that wasn't enough. The big thing was that Mark Zuckerberg uh, has a foundation it's called the Zuckerberg Chan Foundation, named after him and his wife. On the board of that foundation is David Plough, uh, who is Barack Obama's former campaign manager. And what they did is they took four hundred and uh, I think four hundred ten million dollars was oh in excess of four hundred million dollars, and they um, argue, they started offering what were called COVID relief grants to local election offices around the country. Now let me be clear here: this was not Mark Zuckerberg spending money on campaign contributions around the country. This was Mark Zuckerberg giving money to local government election offices. Okay, these are these are public employees. These are people that are supposed to be you know conducting your election on an impartial basis, and. So um, ostensibly, these were COVID relief grants that were supposed to pay for PPE for you know poll workers and all these other things. In reality, what happened was they funneled this four hundred and some million dollars through these two um, foundations. You mentioned the, the Center for Tech and Civic Life was one of them. I forgot about the other one, CEIR. I forget what it stands for. But um, what this meant was, if you wanted to get any of this money for, and you were part of a local election office, then you had to. If there were strings attached, basically meant that. Um, you know, people with histories of liberal activism associated with these "quote unquote" nonpartisan foundations would come into your local election office, and all of a sudden, these people with a history of, of liberal activism and Democratic Party activism were inside of local election offices doing things like designing ballots, um, translating ballots, determining the location of drop boxes um, for collecting ballots. Um, you know, and on and on and on, and like basically controlling how the elections were run. And in one case in Green Bay, Wisconsin, there was a there was an incident we talk about in the book, where a woman who was in charge of local elections there quit her job just ahead of the election because she and she said she was doing it because she'd been so sidelined essentially by the you know out of out of town tech activist that Mark Zuckerberg had paid for, and the mayor was deferring to everything they said, so she had nothing to do. Um, and there uh, we're just now starting to get a handle on the effect of this. Um, so, like, for instance, um, the state of Georgia 
got about five times as much money. This was like $35, $38 million in, in Zuckerberg grants uh, to pay for election administration in that state, whereas the state of Florida next door, which has twice the population of Georgia, only got $7 million. Mm. Georgia moved five points to the left, um, you know, toward Joe Biden, right. and Florida moved two points in Trump's favor. Um, And across the board, when you look at how these grants were deployed, one, the $40 million was heavily spent in swing states. And not only was it spent in swing states, it was heavily spent in in, in counties with a preponderance of Democratic voters. I think the last stat I saw was that uh, 93% of the Zuckerberg money went to counties where there are a majority of Democratic voters in it. So basically, they ran a Democratic get-out-the-vote operation through local election offices. Hello. I'm sorry, Mark. Yeah, I'm sorry you cut cut in and out there. Yeah, we did we did get you. Wow, that's uh, yeah that that's absolutely incredible. And and I and I think I heard in an interview you gave recently. You know, you talk about Facebook and uh, they were cited as being the reason because of Trump's effective digital campaign in 2016 that he was able to, uh, in large part, win the presidency because of that effective digital campaign. I heard you make a remark, and I don't again I don't know if you included this in the book or not, but in 2012. Wasn't it basically the Obama administration or Obama campaign workers basically given the proverbial keys to the kingdom to do whatever they want with Facebook, uh, Mark Hemingway? Yeah, well, I, I forget the, the name of the, the woman who ran Obama's digital operation or whatever, but she was quoted as saying that Facebook let us do things that no other, no one else got to do, oh, essentially. Uh, Obama opened up a campaign office in Silicon Valley in, in 2012. I mean— it was complete and total. They, they, they had complete free reign uh, in terms of what they could do. And basically what happened was is that the Trump campaign learned from that. Uh, they saw a lot of what they did, and they said, you know, well, here are the ways that Obama was tech savvy, and they copied a lot of that. And, you know, four years later, the Trump campaign copies what the Obama administration did, and all of a sudden everyone loses their minds and starts freaking out about privacy violations and all these other things. Never mind that they're just doing what was done four years prior. But the difference was that Trump was Republican, Obama was Democrat. So therefore, all of a sudden, what Trump was doing was said to be a criminal violation of privacy, whereas when when Obama did it, it was savvy electioneering. We only have a couple of minutes remaining with our guest. Uh, Just some fascinating anecdotes from this book. Uh, Rigged, how the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our elections. Again, Mark Hemingway co-authoring the book with his wife, Molly Hemingway. We only have, a few, again, a few minutes remaining in this segment. We, we do want to get to a caller real quick. Uh, David from St. Paul is on line two. David, we got about a minute or two. Go ahead. You're on with Mark Hemingway. Yeah, I can get it all done in that amount of time. Um, the title rigged with that title. I might look into that book, but Mark probably is aware the forensic audit in Arizona put forth a corollary with the banking industry and our election process. Let's suppose that every ballot is like a dollar bill. It's currency. It's valuable. Why isn't, would you leave dollar bills and drop boxes all over your neighborhood? And I think a lot of us are are upset that most of us conventional people would rather have somebody come in with an ID that proves who they are and present their license and vote. A lot of that did not happen. And let me propose this. Why can't we have an issued ID that allows us to go and insert that ID? Mark has one. Brad has one. I have one. It establishes who we are, 
We're the point of contact where this was introduced electronically so we can keep track of these things. And you notice nobody had a problem. I I wonder why the Democrats are always opposed to voter ID because it didn't seem like anybody had any problem cashing their stimulus checks. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, a lot to unpack. I guess, Mark, I'll let you uh, address the Arizona aspect of it. I don't know if you covered the Arizona, specifically Maricopa County in your book. Uh, Yeah, we talked a a bit about Arizona, but Arizona is is kind of an interesting situation here. Uh, Well, I have two thoughts about it. One is that the Trump campaign actually, you know, from what we know of interviewing people that were with the campaign and stuff like that, knew all along they actually had like a genuine problem with voters in Arizona. And further, compared to a lot of these other states, Arizona actually has a reputation for running very clean elections. So the idea that Biden may have, you know, won uh, Arizona, albeit by the narrowest of margins, you know, isn't actually that far fetched. But at the same time, I found the reaction to the fact that when they announced they were going to do the audit in Arizona, um, sort of, you know, um, a a perfect example of the problem. Like, you know, why is it that these people oppose, you know, any sort of audits or any sort of checks on the system, right? You know, the fact that they scream bloody murder the moment anyone looks into it makes, does seem a bit suspicious. Um, But to get to the caller's point, I would just say, I think that his perspective that he just laid out there is actually very common sense oriented. And a lot of people feel that way. And in fact, what's interesting is, is, you know, part of this, you know, Democrats decided that mail-in balloting was, you know, good for their get-out-the-vote and good for their electoral strategy. And that completely oriented the media's messaging um, from that point on in the last, like, sort of decade or so. So consequently, all these fraud concerns got downplayed and voter ID became this, you know, completely it was, well, let's, it was called racism. It's still called racism. It's totally insane. Never mind that there are poll after poll after poll shows that the vast majority of Americans support voter ID. Right. Um, and that not only that vast majority of African-Americans support voter ID. Yep. And not only that, I find it incredibly patronizing to say that, like, black people can't get an ID or, like, don't know how to use an ID in a government transaction. He's also right that there's literally no other interaction you ever have with the government other than possibly voting, depending on where you live, well, you do not have to immediately present an ID to prove who you are. It's just a fact of life. So why is voting different? The only reason why it would be different in voting is simply because being able to spread ballots around liberally is, you know, in a, in a way that might, you know, accommodate fraud. It's central to the Democrats' voter um, uh, uh, get-out-the-vote operations, and that's, that's why. And drop boxes and all the other stuff that go along with that are part of the problem. Mark Hemingway, co-author of the book Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Get it to your favorite booksellers, I imagine Amazon, Barnes & Noble, that sort of thing. Mark, appreciate the time today, sir. Fascinating read. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me. Now is the time to start thinking about your spring home improvement projects. Sandow Construction can give your home curb appeal with new siding. Sandow Construction is celebrating 40 years with a special offer. No interest on your project when paid in full within 18 months, minimum $5,000 purchase. Visit SandowInc.com for details. That's S-A-N-D-A-U-I-N-C.com. Call 888-534-6898 for details about credit cost and terms for new accounts. The APR for purchases 28.99% subject to credit approval. The Patriot Freedom Fan Club and New American Funding want to pay your mortgage next year. This is Tom Matiney from New American Funding, and I'm excited to be the sponsor of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Contest. If you win, we'll pay your mortgage or rent for all of next year. That's extra money to take your family on vacation, put in a pool, or to help a friend in need. 
Enter once a day from now through December 20th at am1280thepatriot.com. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle from the Patriot Freedom Fan Club and me, Tom Matiney, at New American Funding. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personalities a full head of hair they can do the same for you their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business if you have hair loss don't put this off another day contact i need at their office in egan for your free consultation experience you can trust prices you can afford today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at i need Welcome back. AM twelve eighty the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. Always we appreciate you tuning in. And uh, my thanks again to Mark Hemingway, author of the book Rigged. Uh just a fascinating uh Fascinating chat. Uh, my wife already purchased the book, and she started reading it the millisecond she downloaded it on her on her iPad. And it's just a uh, fascinating read. It's it's uh, it's also pretty infuriating too. But I think the one silver lining we could take away, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Mark about this, is despite the fact that the Democrats pulled out all the stops to you know, rig this election in certain areas, jurisdictions, what have you, uh, that the they basically only won by about 40,000 votes, meaning if in these swing states, if 40,000 votes go the other way, Donald Trump wins re-election. And so they're not going to be able to use the pandemic as an excuse in future elections as much as they'll try. Uh, but Republicans, particularly in states like Texas and Florida and Georgia, are already codifying their election laws to ensure stuff like this doesn't happen again. And other states need to follow suit as well. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to this, talk to Mark about this, but I know Wisconsin uh was looking to implement some sort of reforms because there was issues there as well. The Democrat governor, Tony Evers, I think vetoed it, but I think the legislature in Wisconsin had enough votes to override that veto, if I remember right. But uh, regardless, 
Uh, fascinating discussion. Again, look up uh, Molly Hemingway along with Mark Hemingway, the book entitled Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and Democrats Seized Our Elections. And again, this I was grateful Mark was on to kind of separate fact from fiction because I had so many callers calling in with these fantastical conspiracy theories and lauding Rudy Giuliani as the second coming and Mark emphasizing how Rudy Giuliani actually was a detriment in the state of Pennsylvania coming in there with some of his... Uh, uh, big-footed claims, so uh, appreciated the time, as always. I wanted to uh, take a transition to a different story now. Uh, I would imagine a lot of my listeners uh, and a lot of my fellow conservatives are familiar with the Let's Go Brandon chant. I mean, people are shouting Let's Go Brandon at sporting events, and it's basically anti-Joe Biden sentiment. Now, for those of you who don't know how that originated— uh, there was a NASCAR uh, Xfinity Series race that took place in early October. And there was the uh, driver who won the race, NASCAR driver, who was named Brandon Brown. He was being interviewed after he won this race. And NASCAR, you can imagine the you know consumers of NASCAR are not Joe Biden fans. They're probably going to be most likely Trump supporters. That's not good or bad. That's not to denigrate. NASCAR voters or anything. It's just just a fact. Okay, I mean, a lot of people who voted for Trump, you know, like these, like those kind of sports in life. You know, UFC, um, NASCAR, you know, college football, maybe what have you. And at this race, while this Brandon Brown was being interviewed, they were yelling, "F Joe Biden." I think you know what the F stands for. <laughs> okay, and while. Brandon Brown was being interviewed, and it was very apparent you were hearing F. Joe Biden. The NBC reporter said, um, wow, you can hear the chants from the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. And I don't know if she was serious, if that's what she honestly heard, or if she was trying to cover for the fact that an Effenheimer was being said over the live airwaves, and she was providing cover, saying, oh, uh, yeah, let's go, Brandon. Listen to this crowd. And it kind of caught on because, you know, some people may realize that saying the F word constantly in public is rather uncouth. So as a euphemism for F. Joe Biden, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Now, I'll admit to you, I was amused by that anecdote of how it came about. But I have to I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um Call me a prude. Call me a stick in the mud. You can prod me to lighten up. You know, that's that's fine. I'm not a big fan of the chant, let's go, Brandon. I'm just not. Because I know what it's a euphemism for. It's a euphemism for bleep Joe Biden. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm this Puritan, that I'm as pure as driven snow and don't use words like that. I'm not going to tell you that. Because in my private moments when I get angry, yeah, I, I, I let them slip. I, I can't deny that. I'm not, I'd be a fraud and a hypocrite if I told you otherwise. But as far as deliberately saying something like that, uh, I'm, I'm not down with it. I, I think it degrades our discourse. And I heard from plenty of Trump supporters during the Trump administration when awful things were said about Donald Trump. I mean, Twitter was just a fever swamp of invective and vile words used about the Trump family. 
and Trump himself. Robert De Niro at, I believe it was the Tony Awards, basically got up right in the microphone and said, F Trump, you know, right there into the microphone and got to loud, thunderous applause. You know, Madonna at the Women's March, you know, the day after Trump was inaugurated, talking about how she desired to blow up the White House. You know, I mean, there could be there is example after example after example after example of the awful things said about Trump. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, who went on to be a member of Congress, elected in 2018, said we ought to impeach the MFR. This is a member of Congress. And yet progressives who heard all this either turned a blind eye to it or were complicit in it whether it's media types or what have you. I mean, you, I mean, there are stories being done on CNN and MSNBC about the coarsening of our rhetoric with this let's go, Brandon, because we know what it really means. And this could put a president's life in danger. But yet you didn't concern yourself with that when all those awful things were being said about Trump. Well, let's go even back further to George W. Bush. I'm old enough to remember when stuff like Bush Hitler and Buck Bush, I got to be careful how I say that, or smirking chimp were said whenever referring to George W. Bush. That was commonplace. And there was a fictional film literally depicting the assassination of George W. Bush. And after Bush, you know, left the White House upon serving his two terms, I remember thinking there is no possible way any elected official could be more maligned or face that kind of the kind of invective that George W. Bush endured during his eight years as president. No possible way. And yet, what happened with Trump somehow made what happened to Bush look tame. Didn't think that was possible. Oh, no, yeah. Speaking of assassination fantasies, uh, the New York Times published one back in uh, October of 18, 2018. An assassination fantasy about Donald J. Trump. But, yeah, we're supposed to run to our fainting couches or clutch our pearls over Let's Go Brandon. Again, I'm not a fan of it myself. I'm not going to use it in any context. If I go to a sporting event and they're cheering it, I'm not going to join in. I'm not going to put LGP or excuse me, LGB on any of my social media accounts. Not interested. I'm not going to like any posts that refer to it. Let's get that clear. But if you're a progressive and you turned all a blind eye to all of the things that were said about Presidents Bush and Trump, and yet we're supposed to believe that you're morally outraged over Let's Go Brandon. I'm staring at the bottom of my brain. My eyes are rolling so far in the back of my head. I don't believe you when you say you're outraged or that this is the worst thing that's happened in our discourse. People are angry. And they have a right to express that anger. But I'd rather they not do it this way. Not saying they don't have a right to do it. 
First Amendment says you can speak ill of our elected officials. But you see, this goes all the way back to what I've been talking about ad nauseum for the past several weeks. Why the left started this movement of speech as violence and fighting words. And you can't threaten violence against somebody. That isn't uh, First Amendment protected speech. So that's why they're starting this whole movement of words are violence. Speech is violence. So that when something awful is said about their preferred elected official, that they have some sort of legal recourse. That's, that's what all that's about. You know what would really help with a lot of this? Is if Joe Biden himself came right out and said, you know what, that kind of discourse, we don't need it. It's disgusting. Say what you want about me. Yeah, okay, whatever. Let's go, Brandon. Bleep Joe Biden. I don't really care. Yeah, it's First Amendment protected speech. Freedom is messy. But you know what? They have a right to say it, but I think it's coarsening our discourse. It's not helpful. Doesn't bridge any gaps that we have in policy discussions, but whatever. I think that would go a long way in stemming some of this. You have Biden himself saying, well, imagine what you would have to endure if you heard bleep Joe Biden. It's like, give me a break. You know, Mike Pence was kind of the barometer of how to best handle this. Remember when he, I think it was shortly after Inauguration Day, when he was inaugurated, obviously, vice president, and he and his family went to see Hamilton, the Broadway show Hamilton. And the cast members found out he was in the audience and literally in the middle of their performance stopped what they were doing and started shouting their objections at the Trump administration toward Mike Pence and his family. You know what Mike Pence did? He didn't clutch his pearls, didn't run for his fading couch, didn't try to have these cast members fired or canceled. You know what he did? He turned to his family and said, pay attention, folks. This is what freedom looks like. I can take it. He was a lot more dignified than his boss in that area. Because Trump wondered aloud on Twitter back when he had a Twitter account of, hey, MSNBC is putting forth all this fake news. Any possibility we can get their license yanked, perhaps, if they continue down this road? Okay. Mike Pence is a standard bearer. Being personally maligned by cast members of a Broadway show where he's an audience member and basically says this is what freedom looks like. This isn't comfortable. This isn't fun. But you know what? They have every right to do and say this. And guess what? The cast members of Hamilton came off looking pretty petty. Not by progs, of course. The progs cheer all that on. So uh, if you're going to clutch your pearls over a uh, three-word phrase, but yet you celebrate it or virtually ignore the vile invective thrown at GOP presidents. Um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't even this three-word phrase doesn't even contain a, a word the FCC would find objective, objectionable. Well, uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I uttered the three-word phrase, which immediately comes to my mind. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
I want a girl with extensions in her hair. Bamboo. AM1280, The Patriot. Sightseeing in Paris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to AM1280, The Patriot, at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Hi, John Wichko here, owner of Advantage Autoglass. I'd like to talk local, Minnesota local. I was born and raised right here in Rosemont and have spent my entire life in Minnesota. I'm proud that we're a local family-owned company. It really frosts me when national glass companies based in other states and owned by a foreign conglomerate try to say they're local. Advantage Autoglass has been local, Minnesota local for over 20 years. We'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives and we'll fix your chipped or cracked windshield right the first time. Advantage Autoglass has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and we're a preferred shop for all major insurance companies. If you call your agent or claims line first, make sure to tell them you want to work with Advantage Autoglass, your real local, Minnesota local installer, and no one else. Or you can schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. That's ReplaceMyWindshield.com. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And of I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air Force. proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Some of your favorite pastors and authors are bringing you their most popular devotionals free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend focused time in God's Word. Sign up for daily devotionals from crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, and more. Crosswalk.com provides spiritual growth for every stage of life. Crosswalk.com is a division of Salem Media Group. Salem Surround partners with your business to deliver custom digital marketing solutions. Surround your target audience wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review to keep your business top of mind. Learn more at minneapolis.salemsurround.com. Hey, welcome back. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. One final segment to go here on the broadcast. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, As I mentioned at the outset, my music selections today are taking on a different theme then every other week, every other week, I choose a, a specific theme. It's the same theme week in and week out. This week, I've chosen a little different theme for my musical selections. If you've paid close attention and you're also play, paying close attention to news regarding music, you probably have ascertained what it is, but, you know, maybe not. 
Uh, but that one is kind of fortuitous because that song is played quite often at Lambeau Field, I think after the Packers score a big touchdown or whatever. Uh, the Packers were in the news. Well, specifically their future Hall of Fame quarterback is in the news this past week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he was in the news this past week because it turns out he tested positive for COVID-19 despite everybody being under the impression he was fully vaccinated. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Well... Okay, a lot of people are pigpiling upon Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not going to necessarily join in on that chorus. Here's the thing. This, I'm in a strange position here. I am as rabid an anti-Packers fan as you can get. I hated the Packers ever since I became a Vikings fan, since I started paying attention to football in the late 1970s. Okay, 40-plus years. And in the 70s and 80s, the Packers were so pathetic They weren't even worth rooting against. But yet, I hated the Packers with an ironclad passion. Now, I don't use the word hate today because I'm an adult. But I root for them to lose every single game. I want them to be humiliated every single game. The Vikings, of course, have never won a Super Bowl ever in their 60-plus years in existence. But... My The feeling I feel when the Packers lose a big playoff game, I have to believe would feel similar to how I feel if the Vikings would ever win a Super Bowl. I'm that ecstatic. Okay? So anybody who dons a Packer uniform, I, I have immediate animosity towards you. And that obviously includes Aaron Rodgers because of how he has tortured my preferred football team, the Minnesota Vikings, over the years. Well... Apparently, people are looking back to an August press conference, you know, because he held out a lot during the offseason, didn't didn't participate in any of the offseason activities, was disappointed in the direction of the franchise, felt that he should have been consulted more on the moves the front Green Bay Packers front office was making. There was doubt whether he would even show up or even return to the Green Bay Packers. Well, at the 11th hour, just before training camp, he decided to return and was allowed to lambast the organization at a press conference, just rip his organization. And they had to grin and bear it for fear of making him angry. Okay, they're basically kowtowing to Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers was asked back in August if he was vaccinated because, of course, there was a agreement between the NFL and the NFL Players Association where if players do not get vaccinated, they weren't going to require vaccines, but if you did not get vaccinated, you had to be subject to daily tests and there were certain protocols you had to follow, including wearing a mask indoor at the team's facility. Well, Aaron Rodgers was asked during this press conference back in August if he was vaccinated. Well, first of all, it's none of your bleeping business, my medical history. That's what I'd have said. But, but secondly, he said, I'm immunized. And people said, oh, he's lying. Look, turns out he was not vaccinated. Well, There is technically a difference between the medical terminology of immunized and vet being vaccinated. You want to say that semantics? You want to say that splitting hairs? Okay, fine. If you want to say Aaron Rodgers was playing on the gullibility of the media, knowing that they probably wouldn't ask a follow-up question about immunization, okay, fine. But he didn't lie. And he was on Pat McAfee's podcast. Look it up on YouTube, Pat McAfee's podcast, with Aaron Rodgers, where he 
had 40 minutes to just basically give his perspective on what he has gone through over the past few months and why he made the decision to not get vaccinated. And I got to admit, damn him anyways, I'm really starting to like the guy. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his positions on the vaccine, but he made some very important points. And it's one I've been making on this show a lot, where how this thing has been politicized and how health officials and elected officials and whomever else have done no have done a great disservice when it came to the vaccine. They've done a great disservice because they were politicizing it. They were basically saying during when Trump implemented Operation Warp Speed and a vaccine was going to be brought to market for emergency youth authorization at the end of 2020, a lot of politicals, well, I'm not going to take a vaccine if Donald Trump says to take a vaccine. But then once Joe Biden was inaugurated, it's like, get out there and get vaccine or after, otherwise risk losing your job, risk losing your livelihood. You have to wear a mask everywhere you go. Aaron Rodgers pointed out the political hypocrisy over this, and he was exactly right. And a lot of the progressives in sports media are piling upon him because he's calling out their BS. They're, he's calling out their hypocrisy on the, on the vaccine. So uh, I put the onus on the Packers organization. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is ultimately responsible because this is an agreement between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. If you are unvaccinated, and the NFL, by the way, rejected Rodgers' uh, uh, attempt to get a waiver because of his treatments he was going through, through his immunization. Uh, from a football standpoint, you know, he hurt his team by not being on the field. That much is true. But I put the onus on the Packers because they're so scared to death of making him angry that they knew he was flouting these COVID protocols by not wearing a mask at the press conferences, but they let him get away with it. They're willing to take the hits, take the bullets. So I'm not going to pick pile on Aaron Rodgers, even though I root for him to lose every game. Uh, What's a guess? Any guess? Okay. A caller had a guess with the theme, but we'll have to take it off air. Godspeed, my friends. Me, Brad Carlson. Have a blessed week. Hi, it's Keith Hittner Sr. here. Tune in on Sundays at noon for your Real Estate Chalk Talk, where we study the science of buying and selling real estate and the art of living in your home. Get the solid real estate facts you need from Keith Hittner Sr. and Keith Hittner Jr. of Colwell Banker Burnett and their team of experts. Tune in to Real Estate Chalk Talk on AM 1280 The Patriot every Sunday at 12 noon. Brought to you by the Hittner Group, the number one Colwell Banker Group in the nation. Online at HittnerGroup.com. And tune in to Real Estate Chalk Talk every Sunday at 12 noon on AM 1280 The Patriot. Unless you've visited our studios, you probably haven't seen how clean they are. But I assure you, you can hear it. Hey, I'm Trevor Kay, checking in on behalf of Forever Cleaning. Tasha and the team at Forever Cleaning are a big part of why we sound so fantastic on air. I mean, have you ever heard a dusty mic? Not here you haven't. It sounds something like this. No good, right? But Forever Cleaning's attention to detail goes beyond the studios and this microphone. Our break room is clean and inviting, the office areas are orderly and organized, and the bathrooms are always spotless. If you need Forever Cleaning's expert care in your office or store, or you just want to make certain your mic sounds as good as mine, well then reach out to Tasha and her expert team today at forevercleaning.com. That's forevercleaning.com to schedule your free walkthrough and quote. Forevercleaning.com, that's the number four, E-V-R-cleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Gift-giving occurs year-round, whether for birthdays, holidays, or a special expression of thanks to your best clients and customers. 
Of course you want to show your love and gratitude, but you also want to give a gift that provides a positive image of you and your organization. Solaire Infrared Grills from BestHotGrill.com are both practical and unforgettable. Made in the USA, Solaire has a grill for most budgets, but more importantly, Solaire delivers the wow that everybody likes to receive in a gift. Impressive out of the box, and even more so in use, the Solaire Infrared Grills are the gift of value that will build relationships. With every great-tasting, juicy meal enjoyed from their Solaire, they'll think of you. Step up your gift-giving. Learn more about the amazing Solaire Infrared Grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. Your feet will stay warm in the cooler weather with insulated waterproof boots from Chet's Shoes. Chet's takes the time to measure your feet and make sure you have the right boots for whatever you're doing. Whether you need safety or regular toe styles, the friendly specialists at Chet's Shoes know what will work for you. Shop a local 70-year family-owned store. Visit their Spring Lake Park location or online at Chet'sShoes.com. Remember, Chet's mobile shoe service can bring the store to you. If the shoe fits, you've been to Chet's. Happy, happy, happy 20th anniversary. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.